Boys of Summer are indeed back. P. Nate and Pootie finally back in Garage Mahal. Finally. After, you know what? We deserved a break. <laughs> it's mostly me. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, we're back. The yep. Boys of Summer have returned. The, here's the thing about that term. The Boys of Summer have returned. That would imply that we don't drop bombs all, all winter long when we're, mm. really, we're crushing it all year. I feel like we are. I feel like we are. That's why we took our long, much, much needed uh, hiatus. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? We've just been busy. We've just been busy. So I know we missed an episode. We had a late episode. This episode is coming a little bit later than normal. But uh, this uh, should solidify us being back into regular schedule. Um, I was in New York for a little while. As you know, if you listen to the Awakening Reformation podcast, uh, it, we've both been uh, just kind of dealing with summer stuff and I feel like you're busier during the summer than you are any other time of year. I am busy. Yes, yeah. and I don't know why, but for some reason, summer is my busy time. The winter mm-hmm. is my like, hey, we can't do anything th- time. Which is weird because that's literally the reverse of everyone else. But. Yeah, I don't understand it. It's just, I'm very busy in the summers. <laughs> Fair enough. But we are here and we're back on schedule. Uh, we have a couple of, uh, we're just going to get back into a regular routine over the next couple of weeks. So we have a couple <laughs> Lord of- willing. Lord willing. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, so we have a couple of ideas for episodes that just Chris and I can do. And then we do actually have some interviews and stuff lined up. So uh, once we kind of break into September, uh, Rebels will be going full throttle. Yeah, that's, that's really the sign of when Rebels are lazy, when we don't have interviews and stuff like yeah. that. Just, I feel like it's been like, a while, right? It's just been you and I kind that's of, we're, hey, what do you want to talk about today, Chris? What's grinding your gears? <laughs> What's up with you, man? Yeah. Hey. Um, so yeah, we do have some exciting interviews lined up and we should be back into kind of regular podcasting routines. Um, there's some cool content dropping. Um, we have Eschatology 201 coming up uh, very, very shortly. Uh, Systematics for Saplings that the Van Brimmers are doing with Fathers of the Faith podcast is coming to an end, and there's a cool episode coming up, uh, I think, in the next couple of weeks on Eschatology, where I got to join uh, Grant and the kids, which was super fun. Um, and then the the hiatus uh, that Ben is on, he's between seasons. He's going to be working on a new Redeeming History podcast starting in the fall. And uh, the Ezra Institute, after all of their summer programming, will be back up in and running in the summer. So uh, there's going to be a lot more Rebel content coming to you shortly. And uh, the Van Brimmers, as always, are working on a really cool idea for Lent. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Maybe it's not my place to tease it out, but um, there's some cool stuff happening and uh, we're all super, super excited. So uh, we are the Rebels. This is the Rebel Podcast. Find out everything about the network on rebelalliancemedia.com. And thank you to all of our patrons who are supporting us on Patreon. Uh, the the we're, we're scrambling to keep up, quite honestly. The Eschatology 201 series is, uh, is now dropping. We finished that content, which means we're moving on to the next thing which is the rebel conference which i'm just squarely setting in your lap chris let's <laughs> just that's get on it all on me it's basically gonna be a potluck let's go <laughs> potluck. show up with a salad side dish please no no we don't yeah. like green food yeah there you go we'll get to that in this episode but um anyway so we're back and we're back in a regular routine and there's so much going on in the world um, that uh, we just want to take some time to, to headline hunt with you. So we want to talk about some rebel news and all of that kind of stuff. This is where we, this is where we have the most fun, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, so. I feel like this is just... Um, the, the podcast, actually, this podcast really started with just us looking for another outlet to like just have our long conversations about 
what we think is really important, but sometimes our wives don't. <laughs> and so this is what we do. If Chris and I, if you just come over to one of our houses and, and the two of us are sitting there chatting, this is what it looks like. We're just talking about what's going on in the world and how to apply biblical thinking to whatever it is. So lots going on. Yep. That's exactly one of the it. things we talked about several months ago, in fact, I think we did a video on it, it was the infamous Gillette commercial. You remember that? The Super Woke commercial? I do remember yeah. that. About toxic masculinity and uh, and all that jazz. Yeah, we got called uh, misogynists for fighting against this commercial. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is, is I felt like we were actually pretty balanced on the commercial because we said, whatever, it's, it is what it is. They're trying to make money. Ha! <laughs> They failed. <laughs> so, here's, so here's the point. So Procter & Gamble, which is the parent company that owns Gillette, just uh, just recorded their their uh, half-year you know revenue and everything. And they have lost $8 billion, which is no small amount of money, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Billion with a B. Five billion of that. That's a whole lot of millions. Is a whole lot of millions. Five billion of that is associated. I don't know how much exactly, but is associated primarily with Gillette. So Gillette is just bleeding right now, uh, losing a ton of money, which is interesting because um, they, you know, one of the things we said by doing this sort of toxic masculinity, Me Too, uh, super woke commercial was their kind of virtue signaling to uh, woke culture saying, hey, we're one of you, we're with you. Turns out a whole lot of the millennials who are woke can't shave. <laughs> so, and, and, and all the old men who can shave and normally buy Gillette uh, products, they uh, they stopped buying Gillette or at least uh, they're and, and we saw this. We saw all kinds of boycotts and call to like, you know, don't don't support Gillette and all that kind of stuff. And it uh, turns out it's it's hitting them where it hurts. Um, all the, all the hipsters who don't shave anyway, because they all let their facial hair grow into hippie beards. Ours are, ours are reformed beards, so they're different. <laughs> but, um, when was the last time you actually took a razor to any part of your face? Wedding, uh, the day before my wedding, actually, maybe my wedding day morning. That was literally the last time I shaved as well. Yeah. It was just like the wedding day shaved, haven't shaved since been 12 years. <laughs> that sounds so bad. Like I've, I've done a fairly close shave with like an electric razor, but never like full blown shave. It, it all, it all sounds, I can't remember the book. Somebody will comment this in the thing. It also, this all, this is off topic in terms of Gillette, but it all sounds from, I remember reading sometime, maybe it'd been Catcher of the Rye or one of those like trendy books that people read when you're younger yeah. um, where it said like uh, an unshaven man is a, is a, is a boy and a, and a man has a beard. It was like some paraphrase of that. And, and you I remember took it to heart. You're like, I hundred yeah. percent took it to heart. I was like, yep, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a beard. That's just the way this works. <laughs> and so I do. And, and it's uh, never gone back. No, it's never gone. Back. So back to the Gillette thing. Yeah, though. Okay. So um, I think that, I think that's absolutely fascinating because we when we originally talked about it, I th and I I remember the video. You were pretty fair on it. You didn't come down hard on the company for trying to like trying to get behind a like a, a movement so that they can continue to try to stay relevant. But it's funny that they didn't think about their demographic of their of their clientele as the people who are buying their product. Right, people men who are shaving typically, right? Because you know, I guess I guess they do sell women's razors as well. But like, let's be honest, most. Razors are are like for them were bought for like the Mach three the men the men's razor, um, which are way more expensive too by the way. So that's probably where they make all their money. Well, it's interesting that you cups. said that. Is like I remember thinking at when at that time I don't buy razors, but I do have like 
like a razor in my in my place, and I remember getting getting rid of it, and and I got <laughs> I bought it. Throw it right out. I I have a chic one now, which is like another <laughs> company, but like who probably also done did something stupid. But I don't I don't know. I remember being like, okay, well, if I ever need to buy another one. I'm going to go to those online mm. orders and cause they are so expensive. And now I have a reason to just be like Gillette stupid. They're dumb. And it's funny that you said that, that I had, I had a number of people who are, you know, in our circle because of the podcast who basically said they, yeah, I don't use Gillette anymore because of it. Right. Not because like they said anything that they're like, Oh, that's totally terrible. Just like, I don't like the fact that the company's doing this. I'm just going to go and buy a, a, another product. And they went to cheaper products. And so it's funny that they're now Gillette's, getting hit because of a stance they've taken in cu- in culture right because let's be let's be realistic and we're going to talk about this probably often over the next couple of years i would think you it, the the fruit of going woke is that you alienate men that's right and so yes like it it isn't us being toxically masculine it isn't us being anti-feminist it isn't isn't us being misogynists when we say we want. We don't mind having buying a product from a, com- a company whose target demographic is for men who shave. You know what I mean? It's not a problem if a company targets a demographic. This is how business works. Right. Netflix targets demographic between the age of eighteen and thirty-five. Nobody has a problem with that because they do it. They have. They have a set. There. Nobody calls them ageists because they they target a demographic. Not this yet. How, <laughs> not yet. This is how businesses work. And it, when a business goes against that fundamental pr- principle right. of don't upset the people who feed you and pay for your product. Right. This is what happens when you, when you tick them off, right. They go to another product because the best, the the great news about our currently capitalistic society, I say currently, um, <laughs> yeah, is, we'll get to that a little later on. <laughs> Thank you, California. <laughs> Thanks California. Um, but currently there is other options in the market right. and we are free still sort of to choose those, those other That's companies right. and we're allowed to exercise that. Right. And right. That's well, great. And yeah. And so what's interesting is that uh, what, what makes this more than just uh, our opinion on the story. So there's a, uh, a lady named Julia LaFeld, who's sort of the spokesperson for Procter & Gamble, which, again, is the parent company to um, uh, Gillette. And she argues that um, this is actually uh, that the five billion dollar loss of Gillette billion five billion. It's a lot. Um, uh, she says, though the ad campaign itself can be looked at as not successful, $5 billion <laughs> loss. She says that it has actually led to enhancements of their brand. So it's interesting. So I agree with you completely, but it's interesting to see where she's going with this. Now she's a PR person, right? So she's going to try to spin this. Yeah, like you're spin. not going to say, Hey, we, we screwed up. Right. Um, and well, I mean, maybe, maybe if she did actually, the, the reaction would be better, but anyway, this is, this is what she said. This is a direct quote, quote, this is by far the most viewed ad Gillette. Uh, sorry. This is by far the most viewed ad Gillette has ever had online. The vast majority of those views were organic and unpaid, which points to the natural interest and engagement that we were able to generate among our consumers. So all she's saying is it was viewed a whole lot online, so it must have been good. That's that whole like any, what, what, what is it? Any, any publicity is good publicity. Right. But 
I think there were a whole lot, like we watched that ad several times so that we could talk about it on an episode and so that we could talk about it on a video. We weren't won by it. We were upset by it more than anything, right? And, and there, would be more, there would be people who I think were far less uh, charitable with the commercial than we were who would have watched it a bunch of times, shown it to their spouses, shown it to their kids and said, this is ridiculous. So not all views are necessarily good views. That's number one. But then she goes on to say, I don't enjoy that some people were offended by the film. This is referring to remember they uh, on top of the commercial itself they released like a almost like a shorter fi- like a, yeah, like a, a longer, longer ad. Yeah, a longer ad that was like almost a short film. I think it was like 3 or 4 minutes long. Um, so that's what she's referring to. I don't enjoy that some people were offended by the film and upset at the brand as a consequence. That's not nice. <laughs> Literally, that's a quote. That's not nice and goes against every ounce of training I've had in this industry over a third of a century. I am absolutely of the view now that for the majority of people to fall more deeply in love with today's brands, you have to risk upsetting a small minority, and that seems to be what we've done. So I think really interesting. So a couple things. Number one, she views the job of a brand to have people fall in love with your brand. That's a drastic shift, I would say, in kind of consumeristic thinking, right? In Or, or I should say in, um, in marketing, right? Thinking of the consumer. I don't know about you. I don't have to love a product, fall in love with a brand in order to like a product, right? I, uh, I use, uh, I use um, uh, Arm & Hammer deodorant. Uh, uh, antiperspirant. I have no, absolutely, I, I only know that. On my way here, I picked up some, anti, <laughs> on my way to the church this morning, I picked up antiperspirant because I was out. Um, so that's what came to mind. <laughs> I don't love Arm & Hammer. I don't know what they stand for. I don't know where they stand politically. I don't, I don't know anything about the ideology of the company. I just think their antiperspirant works really well, right? That's what I need. I need a good product. I don't, nec- I don't want to know. In fact, I think what we've been saying over the last little while is we said we wish Netflix never got into the whole um, uh, abortion controversy when they b- decided to fight the abortion laws in Georgia. And we started calling for, well, maybe Christians should start thinking about canceling their Netflix. And one of the reasons we said that is because as soon as a company says where they stand, now you're not morally responsible for what they do with their money, but as soon as you know that, now as a Christian, you have to figure it out. You have to decide, am I going to intentionally continue on or not? And so I think actually this, this ideology that every new consumers want to fall in love with the brand and they want to know where we stand on social issues, I just don't think that's true. I don't care. I don't know. I don't want to know where Kellogg stands. I just want them to make good breakfast cereal. Yeah, I think, I think, I think there's a fundamental, like, I think there are people who are brand loyal, like who just are like, oh, I, I buy this, only this. But I think that's the minority. Right. I think that's like a very small percentage of people. Most people buy what either a what's the best product. The reason we buy Kraft Kraft dinner, like is that something that Americans have Kraft dinner? Yeah. Who knows? Katie. Yeah. Uh, Katie. Of course. The reason we buy Kraft Katie is because it's better than the no name stuff, mostly. But like for products, for instance, deodorant. You brought up deodorant. I couldn't tell you what deodorant I use. Why? Because I buy what's on sale. <laughs> Like, because I buy whatever is cheap at the time. And currently right now, my one isn't working really well. So I've been, I've been having to do a couple of applies a day, but I mean like 
I'm I'm loyal to my my, my bank account suffers when <laughs> right. I buy seven dollar products versus a three dollar product. Right. So there's tons of other factors. I think like I love I, her wording in there was like we're okay to upset a small minority when she's like that's not a business. Like you, your businesses should be like I want all of your dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> not only that, but I think I think what they're and I think this is the the trap or the lie that a lot of, um, I would say, more liberally minded individuals have bought into. That we, speaking of conservative Christians, are the minority. Guy, Trump won the election, right? Look what's happening in Britain right now. Conservatives won the election. Uh, what's that guy's name? Boris... Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, his last Boris, name whatever his name is, he's basically the 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 Trump of Britain, right? Uh, in Ontario, Doug Ford won the election. You're seeing people push back against this PC liberal, um, you know, kind of very leftist um, identity politics ideology. That we're seeing a pushback against that, and so to think that they're in the majority, I think, is just to misread the culture. Yeah, it's 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 also to, it's exactly that, and it's and it's. Absolutely a rejection of liber- of of the whole liberal like agenda in general. The problem is when people reject that, they usually go too far the other way. And it, and I can prove this to you. If you if you just simply Google right now European leaderships, so look at the Middle East and look at your Euro- European pol- uh, political parties. F- drastically fundamental right wing parties are on the rise across across the board. In, in Europe, in a very like, very, where we can, what we consider very liberal countries are very close to having very right wing governments. And we're seeing it like, I'm not saying like Doug Ford or Trump are, are like super far right wing, but I'm saying there's a, there's a shift back because the re, the rejection of this liberal values pushes people to of the other extreme too far sometimes. And if you look at these, these things, we're seeing cultures who are like, rejecting this but the media isn't portraying it does i i worded that very weirdly no no i but and and here's what we would say about that so for for a non-christian secular culture who doesn't believe in trans theory and lgbt um ideology they're not quite sure why because they don't have the word of god they don't have a standard to apply they just they they're not quite sure why they just the, the political correctness and everything it just doesn't rub them the right way maybe like the the woman who is on the uh the uh, uh US soccer team who got booted off for not wearing the pride jersey you know maybe they're a young girl in high school who's got beaten out by trans hurdle, hur, hurdlers or high jumpers or long jumpers or whatever we're seeing more and more stories come out like that yeah, for Jolene, whatever the reason the hinkle yeah whatever it is that they're they're not standing on an objective word of god to reject these things all they're they're just reacting based on feelings right so you have the left who are going this this far left uh, intersectionality trans theory politically correct you know woke culture on one side who it all has to do with their feelings well those who reject it also only have to reject it based on their feelings because there's no objective standard they're not standing on the word of god and so they reject it they reject it based on ideology not on an objective word of god and who's there to catch them who's there to recruit them who's there to to nurture them to affirm their suspicions to to um uh, fan the flame of their anger. Well, it, it actually is the real bigots, the real racists, yeah. the real sexists. Yeah. And so that's why we're seeing this, this major divide. And I, like my, 
plea goes out. Like if I can, if you want to soundbite a part of this podcast, just soundbite this part where I say, please, all of you moderate liberals out there who might disagree. I don't know why you're listening to the podcast. I'm glad you are. (laughs) But if you disagree with us, please, please, please find breaks for your movement. Because if you don't, then even if you're not going to um, stand on the objective word of God, which is what we want for you, um, the further left you go, the more it polarizes those who don't agree with you. And unless you have Christians standing on the word of God, um, where they're going to land in rejection of the woke culture is the far right. And so I I just, I don't know how else to say it other than that. Um, Anything else you wanted to say kind of as a last word on that? And then I got another doozy for you. Not on that note. No, that's okay. that's good. I, did, I wanted to bring, We have more to talk about, right? Yeah, we got lots. Yeah, sweet. So hit me with the next one then. Okay. So um, Victoria's Secret, which... which I'm not is, familiar with that company. <laughs> <laughs> did you know it's actually Victoria's Secret? Did you know that? Oh, with with a, like an apostrophe S? Yeah, it's like supposed to be like Victoria's because the like guy... Like she has a secret? Yeah, like she, like underneath her like business suit, she's got uh, like a little party going on. Um, <laughs> How do you know that? Because the guy, there was a documentary one time I watched on the internet um, about the guy who started the company because he started it for his wife um, and he sold was it for... Was her name Victoria? Yes. And he... And he, uh. Uh, and, um, he sold it for four million bucks because he didn't... He wasn't like, this isn't a thing. Wow. And somebody offered him four million bucks. Anyway... But it's Victoria's Secret. All right. So Victoria's Secret hires their first transgender model. So there's now... So Victoria's Secret, for those of you who are like Chris and don't know, <laughs> um, is, I feel like is, I'm already is, is like an underwear and lingerie much. company that sells... I mean, let, let's be honest. It's not like, you know... Women, women buy undergarments there. What? It's not. It's not necessarily a. Uh, it's not, it's a not horrible. A, it's not uh, a sex place. shop. Um, Though I would say that they've kind of led the way in terms of um, ad campaigns that um, target. Um, I mean, they're not. Well, they're not known for their modesty. Let's put it that way, right? Enough, they're enough. not known for their modesty, and they have like the, uh, the fashion shows and all that kind of stuff. So they're they're certainly um, caught up in the uh, sexual revolution culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is that they had a, a chief marketing officer, CMO, uh, who several uh, about a year and a half ago had said that uh, Victoria's Secret would never hire a transgender model. And what's interesting is that the the company came under fire by the LGBT activists after saying that, calling them bigots and, and transphobic and all that kind of stuff. What's interesting is he was let go and they hired their first transgender model. So it's interesting because in, in a culture now with Me Too movement and we just talked about Gillette and all this kind of stuff, um, it's going to be harder and harder for these kinds of companies to exist and not poke the beast, so to speak, right? Poke the bear in terms of the, the the current mob, right? The LGBT mob. And it seems like they did poke it. And however long it's been, a year and a half or so since those comments were made and they came under fire, they've had some decisions to make. That decision being, do we go with the culture or do we stay doing what's made us successful? And they decide to go with the culture, fire the guy who said they'd never hire a transgender model and hire their first transgender model. Interesting. So I, I was curious to know your thoughts on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, do they go the way of Gillette where next they're recording a $5 billion loss? Because at the end of the day, 
I mean, it is women who are buying Victoria's Secret stuff, although, you know, men buying stuff for their wives or let's be honest, mistresses or whatever <laughs> are, I'm sure is, a, is, I'm sure is a lot of Victoria's Secret's, um, uh, business, but it'll be interesting to see what, what this does to like their, I don't know, magazines or um, fashion shows or whatever. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see. I don't think it'll have the same impact that Gillette um, like campaign had like on a, on a financial right. basis one, because it's not, it's not like, it's like the Gillette thing went viral where this is like, this is literally the first time I'm hearing about the trans trend, uh, trans issue that Victoria's secret had. The other thing is Victoria's secret. We were talking about a good product in terms of like, I only know this from people telling me, but apparently their stuff is actually better than everywhere else. So it's one of those things where they kind of have the market cornered on like, quality good stuff you go there if you want other stuff you go to i don't know where else people buy stuff like old navy i don't know but but here's my point is is when you see kind of gillette victoria's secret and lord knows however however many other um companies that are doing this sort of virtue signaling right um at the end of the day and truth is we saw this in canada it it, it actually happened in in the united states as well but we we saw it in canada big time as well toys r us who uh, had to shut down like 60 percent of their stores in north america 60 percent of their stores in north america and then you go back and you realize they've been funding planned parenthood and abortion for Mm. decades well what's that gonna do like you you make your money selling toys to children and you fund the murder of children that's going to catch up with you and so my point is is if these companies are catering to a very small but very vocal minority because the trans community even even the lgbt community in bringing all of those identities all of those various acronyms in is still the a minority and and at the end of the day i don't know that there are a whole lot of people who are um who are going to be turned on to a product because of their wokeness as much as people will be turned off of their product by a certain level of wokeness and then how much money does a victoria's secret now um d- uh uh, uh, move towards getting somebody to start thinking about underwear for transgenders because Lord knows they got stuff that needs to fit places. Right? So, so it's new kinds of underwear, new kinds of right. They don't need as, they don't need as much padding in their bras, right? Be- so, but yeah, my point is, you know what I mean? Like R and D for transgender undergarments, right? Like, and then who's buying that stuff? So I, I'm like, how far down this rabbit hole are these companies really going to be able to go? And well, is that going to be profitable? Well, what's interesting about that, and I see where you're kind of going with that now when, I, when I, I've thought about it a little bit. Um, the, far, the farther down the woke agenda you go, the, the less, the le- basically the more sexless everything becomes. Right. So like, and Victoria's Secret's a company that's built on the appeal of making you feel sexy. Right. right. Like that's really what they're selling. Yes. They're selling like functional equipment, but it's, it's for the purpose of making you feel a certain way. And the woke culture takes that away from you. The the further they go down that, that rabbit hole of, like you said, they have to make gender neutral garments. They have to make things that are, are for, are for everyone, you know, type of thing, or else they're not, they're not fulfilling what they, what they've set that's out right. to do the less and less of what they're actually good at doing, which is making garments that are sex, have sex appeal goes away because that's not what they're, that's not the people you're catering to anymore. And so the people who like, well, let's be honest, we, we, we've said it. It's a very small part of our, our uh, society that is in that demographic. 
the rest of those people are going to go to get the kind of feeling that they were getting from Victoria's Secret somewhere else if Victoria's Secret stops doing it. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like, yes, I 100% agree. It, can, it, it will suffer. It, they will suffer if they do that, right? Right. Um, and it's one of those things where it's just... The 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 uh, this whole get woke I don't know what else to call it I can never say the acronym LGBTQ <laughs> whatever it is now um, I'm probably gonna get flamed huge for that <laughs> yeah. but that's beside the point um, what what I find so funny about that is like they fundamentally can't agree with each other in there where it's like, you can't be a feminist and then say there is no such thing as gender. You can't be like, you can't be upset at me being a male. If you, if there is no such thing as being a male, you know what I mean? Like, so like eventually they have to turn, like it has to turn on each other even more than it already has started to do. And it's one of those things where as a company, why get caught up? Exactly. Just stay out of it. Just let it, let it play out. And then continue to do what you've been doing, which is putting dollar like dollars in your bank account. There's a reason of Victoria's Secrets in every mall, right? Right. Just keep doing that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we were talking about Gillette earlier, and they they were talking about a uh, an ad that they released in Europe that apparently is going to make its way to the states, probably right around the time for Super Bowl this year. Um, and that is um, that uh, it's a it's a man teaching his transgender son daughter, you know girl who thinks she's a boy um to shave and you're like that just doesn't even make sense right like that that just that's like remember we reported on that school before that was talking about menstrual cycles for boys like <laughs> like like at some point you're living in fantasy christmas land like this this stuff isn't actual things and so you're not going to be able to sell any razors to transgender boys because guess what they're girls and they don't have facial hair yeah and all the hormones until they're, until and, they're much older. Well, and the thing, well, yeah. And the thing is, is like, okay, so hormone therapy, whatever the case may be. And now, now you're going so far down. It's just, anyway, it, it is an ideological mess. And I guess our point here is that as Christians, we need to recognize where our standard lies. It, st- it stands on the word of God and culture is going to seem to get more and more crazy. The further and further up away from the word of God, they go. And the crazier the culture gets, I think the better for us. And and my encouragement to our listeners is that, um, guess what? Gillette lost $5 billion. Guess what? Victoria's Secret, I'm no prophet, but I'm going to say is going to lose money with this endeavor. And my point is, is the reason they're doing that, the reason Trump won an election, the reason Boris won an election, I think it's Boris Johnson now that I uh, say it. I think think you're right. Boris Johnson won an election, the reason Doug Ford won an election, the reason Trudeau, I think, is going to lose an election is because they've overplayed their hand. They actually don't represent the majority of the people. The majority of the people still think this stuff is crazy. Now, they might not be willing to vocalize it outside of an anonymous balloting poll, but I think the more conversations you have with people, the more you're going to see, the more you're going to run into fathers whose daughters got pushed off the track team because there was a boy who identified as a girl who made it instead. You're going to, you're going to encounter people who aren't willing to go on record, aren't willing to post things on Facebook that this is crazy, but they believe it's crazy. And there's your gospel in. Why is it crazy? Well, I don't know. Well, it's crazy because it goes against God's design. This isn't how God made the world. That's not how God created. God created a binary world with men and with women, two sexes, two genders. That's it. So just be encouraged. I think um, we're not as far down the rabbit hole as you think, even though these are the headlines in the news stories, because I think these are the 
Uh, bureaucrats, these are the academics who are crazy. We're about to see how crazy they are in, in another news item I have. But the vast majority of the world I don't think are with them. And we still have an opportunity to turn things around. Yeah, I think that's where I was going with the, like, the rise of all the political parties where we're like... If you if you look at these things, most people do still reject this ideology. Yeah, and yes, I agree. I think you're I think you're bang on. They they don't know how to vocalize it. They don't know they don't want to come out and say I'm against it because it seems stupid. Because the the narrative that we keep getting fed is oh it's scientific. It's this. It's this. It's yeah. this. You're a bigot if you exactly. And so nobody like because let's be honest, some most people don't want to take the risks that 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 like. Uh, well, you know, I mean, if you can just say nothing and believe what you believe, that's easier for most people who don't have a reason like 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 we do to be like as a Christian to step out and say, no, this this is the case. They're just like, no, I just fe- it feels wrong to me. They're they're leaning on that as well. So they're they're more hesitant to, sp- to speak out. That's but right. the majority is against these things. I say that from my experience now. Yeah. And I say that because. Nobody, no one can say that there's no differences between a, a man and a woman. I'm going I'm to throw one really quickly at you. Yeah, go for it. Because we we were talking about this, but um, I, th- I think more of these news stories is what what needs to come out for people to start actually being like, look, can we can we draw some lines again? Because we need lines in the sand again. And this one is a transgender MMA fighter crushes yeah. her opponent's skull. Um, so basically what happened is a man identified as a woman became an MMA, MMA fighter and fought and if you can watch the video, I'm not going to, we're not going to link it. It's two no, minutes it's and 30, violent, it's yeah. two minutes and 30 seconds. You can watch what happens when a man punches a woman in the face. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting that we, I grew up and I had very little rules in my household, but there were three that I was like, these are things you, you don't do. You don't wear a hat at the table. Amen. You don't, you don't take the Lord's name in vain. My my family wasn't believers, but that we just knew that was not something you right. did. Why risk it? Why risk it? And the other one was you <laughs> don't hit a woman. Yeah, that's right. And that was the that was the third like basically principle of my life. Like you do not do anything violent towards your sister, towards your yep. towards women. You open doors for them. You walk on the outside of the road for them because they're they're less. They're basically the the ideology was they're more valuable than you. If yep. you're if a car is going to hit you. Hit you. Don't hit them. You're bigger. You're stronger. You're going to be fine. I find it funny now that we have a culture that's pushing men to go out and punch women. And yeah. it's totally acceptable for, for this this dude right. to beat up a woman. And well, everybody has to celebrate him for it. Well, and I know. And, and this is what's so backward about the culture right now is that if a man punched a woman... Like, and it was a domestic dispute or they just got in, it, not even if two people who don't even know each other, they're just on the subway or whatever. Right. And, uh, and she steals a seat and he punches her in the face. Um, I mean, that guy is not only going to jail, that guy's not only going to get the book thrown at him, but the culture would be in an uproar because 100%. that's misogyny. That's, that's, um, violence against women. That's, you know, oppression. That's, you know, years of patriarchy coming through, like all, you know, all that crap. And, and all that and, stuff we would generally agree with. And We'd we would like, agree. Like, yeah, at him. yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might not go into patriarchy stuff, but yeah, absolutely. We would say that's horrible. Um, and, and yet... All it takes is for that man to say, but I identify as a woman. And now we have to celebrate the violence, right? We have to celebrate his ability to crack a woman's skull open. And like that, how backward is our society that that's all it takes? Like how long, 
and honestly, like how long is it before Harvey Weinstein, who's like the, the misogynist, the, the, you know, poster child for the me too, this guy who's been abusing women, all this kind of stuff. Like how long before Harvey Weinstein, somebody gets caught and he's just like, well, I'm, I'm trans confused. I, whatever, like how long, right? How long until somebody uses this as sexual deviancy? And and to be honest with you, we used this as a news item when we were with the Van Brimmers. You talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago as well, um, about the man in in Vancouver who's asking uh, beauticians to shave his genitals, right? Yeah. At waxing salons. Uh, and 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 this guy has a history. So come, you know, come at me as, as the, you know, uh, transphobic guy who's saying this. But guess what? That's the guy who's looking at the new bathroom laws and is using it because he is a predator and he's using it now for his predatory to, to, uh, for his predatory needs. So this, this is, and so this guy who identifies as a woman is a violent man who abuses women, who attacks women, and he's using the guise of transgenderism to take out his sinful desires to be violent towards women. That's the, the Bible teaches that this is sin in our hearts manifesting itself because of circumstances, not not um, uh, being spontaneously put into our hearts from outside circumstances. So, um, yeah, this do, is just ridiculous. Do you want to hear it from the woman whose skull was cracked perspective? Yes, please. So this is uh, the lady's name. Sorry. If so I this, the, what, this is the real woman who lost to yes, a man to the fight. To the fight. Um, her name's Tamika Brents. Um, and she said, I fought a lot of women, women, and I've never felt the strength I felt that night as I, in a fight as I did that night. I can't answer whether it's because she was born a man or not, because I'm not a doctor. All, I can only say I've never felt so overpowered ever in my life. And I'm an abnormally strong female in my own right. Um, I still, dis- I disagree with Fox fighting any other job or career. I say, have a, have a go at it. But when it comes to, to sports, I think it just isn't fair. And I think it's very interesting. The wording there, she's like, I don't want to say it's because this yeah. is a man or a woman. I'm not a doctor, but when I compared, I'm a strong woman and yeah. I was and I've, crushed. And I've been fighting this. my whole life and I've never felt that kind of power. I, I've never felt so overpowered. Yeah. And it's just like, that doesn't make her any less of a woman. To say makes her a more of a woman. Exactly. This this dude who's been getting testosterone for his entire life because there is a let's I again I'm not a doctor but I do know that there's a physio, physiological difference between a man and a woman. One of them is testosterone. Right. Um, and if I get it for the entire my entire life, I can build up more muscle. I can build. I can be faster. And I can be stronger than somebody who's doing the same amount as me. Right. It's not fair. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like it's not it's, safe. It's what, not fair. What's interesting it's, is that. Um, so she, well, we've said this for a while that we think it's, it's in the world of sports, that this is going to break down. And so as Christians, I think a couple things, I want to get practical for, for Christians, um, in a, in a few minutes, but in terms of like, uh, cultural and, and conversation and equipping you to engage culture here, um, I think as Christians, we have to be prepared to tell people you can't draw arbitrary lines. You can't say not at sports, but everywhere else. Either there is a difference or there isn't a difference. And if there is a difference, then it it extends everywhere, right? And so I think as Christians, we need to be ready for that conversation. Don't be satisfied because I I wholeheartedly, we're post-millennial here. So we know these ideologies are not going to take root for long if they do take root at all. And so what we want to say is be ready for the conversation when people start to say, okay, we'll draw the line at sports, but no further. 
Why are you drawing that arbitrary line? Why just at sports? Oh, because it's not fair. But but it's fair everywhere else. Either this is scientific, either it is real or it isn't. But it can't be imagined. It can't be only real in one realm and not uh, uh, real in another. So be ready for those conversations. Absolutely. In terms of practical, and and this is, I, I want to talk to um, Christians now who are who are maybe overwhelmed with this sort of um, information, and they say, well, what can we do about it? Obviously, there's prayer. Obviously, this is where um, cultural engagement comes from. This is conversations with your neighbors. This is conversations online. Break down these ideologies. Do the 1 Corinthians 10 thing where it talks about taking every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? They're, but they're powerful to break down strongholds. This is what the Word of God equips us for, these kinds of cultural wars. Um, but on a very, very practical level, I want to talk to parents for a second. This is something I'm just getting into. Judah who's only two years old, loves wrestling now all of a sudden. Like he just loves fighting, getting thrown around, um, attacking, tackling. Like he just, he loves it. And it's interesting. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Did Quinn like that when she was Judah's no. age? No, she did not. Interesting. Interestingly, Quinn loved playing with dolls, loved playing with babies, loved being nurturing. This, this is, it's almost like it's, it's innate. It's almost <laughs> like it's, it's pre, uh, a predisposition. But what's interesting is that I have to tell him and teach him, even at a young age, you don't wrestle your sister though, right? And, and and now I'm not saying that, you know, boys and girls can't horse around as, as siblings and stuff like that. But what I am saying is that I'm teaching Judah from a very young age. No, no, no. We don't tackle Quinn or or even mommy the way you tackle daddy. That's That's boys. Boys fight boys. But boys don't fight girls. And and I mean, I'm not gonna be legalistic and hard lined about that where, you know, if he wants to, you know, if he and, and Quinn are are wrestling around in the backyard or fighting over a swing or whatever. But I am teaching him from a very young age, you know what? I would rather you tackle one of the boys in the nursery at church than tackle one of the girls, right? I, I would I, I would rather you tackle daddy when you're feeling rambunctious than tackling mummy because I'm teaching him from a very young age. There's a difference. You're stronger. He's he's a year and a, he's almost a year and a half or about a year and a half younger than Quinn. Um, but you're going to be stronger because you're a boy. God created men to be stronger. The word of God says man's glory is his strength. A woman's glory, right, is her nurture, is her care, but a man's glory is his strength. Judah, you're going to be stronger than your sister. Never, never use your strength against women, always for women. And so as Christians, one of the ways you combat this is by teaching it differently in your home teaching it differently at your church, teaching it differently in your communities. Amen. And, and, and for the, for the uh, boys who are out here who um, you're listening to this, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in university and you play sports, you play a contact sport, you play rugby, you play football, you play whatever. If there's a girl on the other team, I don't care if it's a, a girl who identifies as a boy, I don't care who that is, you don't tackle them. Refuse to play. Have your team take a loss. Forfeit a match. Don't hit women don't tackle women don't use your strength against women now if it's basketball or something just just crush it <laughs> just don't, don't tackle them don't make it don't don't have any and and then and then talk about the absurdity of it when when the person comes and asks you oh how was it to win that match you just say well it wasn't really fair because we were playing girls you say that because that's the reality of it god created men and women differently acknowledge it acknowledge it all right amen um, so I, I just want to throw, we don't, we don't have a ton of time to go over this. Um, and it doesn't necessarily affect us as much as, uh, as it, 
uh, right now. So there's a there's a new um, California model curriculum um, for high school students, and uh, it uh, it has what's called um, ethnic studies in it. So California, as we all know, is super progressive, and uh, this is where a lot of the woke culture stuff has come from. Um, but what's interesting is that this new curriculum, which teaches ethnic studies, um, is the most woke literature you will ever read. Oh, boy. Um, I would just encourage somebody on, on uh, Tuesday, uh, so what is this, Tuesday, August 6th, um, Al Mohler had his uh, episode of The Briefing um, on this whole thing. So he covers it thoroughly. I would encourage you to go and listen to that if you want to get uh, kind of the gist of it and some quotes and stuff from it. Um, but what's interesting, so it's an ethnic studies uh, model curriculum. And this is, this is the, so ethnic studies is described in the document as, get this, quote, an interdisciplinary study of race, ethnicity, and indigeneity with an emphasis upon experience of people of color in the United States. It is the study of intersectional and ancestral roots, uh, colonial, colonialality, hegemony, and a dignified world where many worlds fit into the present and future generations. What's interesting is that nowhere in this document, so this is, this, is not, this is not a proposed school curriculum. This is the model curriculum after the proposal that's now going to be voted on in the California High School School Board. Nowhere in the entire document does it use the term women except spelled W-O-M-X-N because you can't have men inside women. That's, patriarch, that's patriarchal, oh, Chris. Yeah. Um, Nowhere in the entire curriculum is history called history. It's called herstory, but not spelled H-E-R, right? Instead of his, it's her, herstory. But it's not spelled H-E-R, it's spelled H-X-R, but pronounced herstory, which is, quote, history from a more gender-inclusive perspective. And then it goes on with a little... Um, uh, Footnote that says the X instead of the E is to show us that uh, uh, gen, gen, the, the assumption of gender binary is one of the things that has had people misinterpret history in the past. This is like as this is as woke a document as there is out there. It, it has a 22 page glossary um, of, ter of, woke of terms. terms of terms. We should go through the woke terms. OK, I got a term for you. Ready? <laughs> Cis heteropatriarchy. Cis heteropatriarchy. Cis, C I S, is a term used for a. Sounds like a surgery. <laughs> well, well, interestingly, somebody who's cis, you're cis, I'm cis, C I S is somebody whose uh, gender lines up with the sex that they were assigned with at birth. So you're cis. I'm cis. You're not, you're not trans, you're cis. Hetero, obviously, yeah, yeah. patriarchy. So the cis heteropatriarchy describes that the people who've been controlling education and history and capitalism and culture for so long have been of the hetero, gender normative, male variety. In other words, Chris, because you are a male... And you were a male since you were born, yeah. and you're heterosexual, and you're a male. Oh my word! 
you are so privileged <laughs> and so unqualified to tell anybody how it is. Because yeah. you've never been oppressed, Chris. And if you've never been oppressed, you can't teach people who have been oppressed because my, you can't be in their shoes. My, fir- my first comment to that is I just was. So if, if, if somebody, <laughs> go. If somebody yeah, comes out it. and says that, then the very first thing you say, I just was judged for who, for who I am. Cause you don't know anything like you yeah. obviously do yeah. know a lot about me, but I mean like somebody who says that I, we had this conversations with, uh, with a friend of ours on Facebook recently when they referred to me as privileged. And I was like, in what way am I privileged that you use the word? Because if you, if you know anything about my backstory, privilege doesn't come into it very often. Um, the only other than the like overall general privileges of the fact that I was born in Canada versus born in another country versus like the, uh, almost the common graces that I've been given in, in my, in my life. And now I would say I'm absolutely privileged because I'm a Christian and I, and God has saved, has chosen me and he saved me. So there, I think I've inherited some, some privileges, uh, being an adopted son of Christ. But I mean, in the way that they're meaning it, I'm like, I'm not privileged at all. I think that's, that's fundamentally, it's actually enraging. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, other than that, what's, what I find so, so frustrating about just that whole idea is that you're, you're not, you're not teaching history if you change it. Right. So let's, let's, I, I, I know, I know people will flame if we, if we ever did this, but this is exactly what the Nazis did. They yeah. took the youth, they took an enraged culture and said, these people are the problem. Yep. Here's all the solution. Of the, all of the issues with your life can be traced back to, to these, these people. people. Exactly. And they, and they taught up a generation, as you said earlier, they flamed, they, they uh, fanned the flames and they had three and they had really one real big voice, voice piece, but they had three or four across the cu- couple different country, com- countries who fanned this flame and what ended up happening? Genocide, world war, depravity, run rampant. Yeah. I'm not saying that the same thing will happen here. It might look very different, but make no mistake. This is the same tactics that were, that were used then that have been used since the beginning of time when you want to basically segregate a a section of, of humanity and say, they're not the same as us. You're changing, you're changing history to make it say something that it hasn't said. And I, I, I'll just be right up front. I, I'm a, I'm a white dude. I'm not going to apologize for being a white dude. It's not my fault. I was born this way. You're now judging me like you're, ju- you're now judging me because I was born with a, like a, a white penis basically. And that's, that's not something you can do because that's exactly everything you accuse me of is what you're doing to me. Right. And when I say you, obviously I don't mean Nate, but I mean, um, you when you're saying I'm a bigot, I'm a racist, I'm a whatever you're accusing us of. You're doing that to to us for something we can't control because I can't control right. the fact that I was uh, right. that I was born white, and uh, what I find so frustrating about this is that you're now changing history to make it say something that never was the case. You're now implying that men two hundred years ago systematically held down women to make capitalist businesses when it's like no, the culture was different then, right. and you know what? At that time, there were like as we're we're fond of saying. Gender gender roles were better understood then. Absolutely, and so I don't like. I would I would love to hear from 
some 80 year old, 90 year old women. I would like that, that generation to start coming out and being like, no, you guys are gone crazy. It was better when my husband went to work and I stayed home and raised my kids. We have a, we have a, a society. We just, we just had three mass shootings over the last, over the last week. We've had five, 58 in the United States, which a mass shooting now is now has a clear clarification Four plus shootings in, in the same instant now gets considered this. Um, and every, the, the only fundamental factor that translates to be not race, not anything is fatherless, fatherlessness in the home. Yep. If it, and we're creating a culture that says that, the fathers are the problem in our culture that we have. If we remove mm. them, if we say they're not worth anything, right. which is what that document's saying, that they're not worth it. Don't listen to them. Listen to your mom. L- only listen to this one section of humanity. And only if she's not white and, and <laughs> exactly and isn't an oppressor. Exactly. Like we're, white, white uh, hetero females are only a couple rungs up on the yeah. on the don't listen to these guys they don't yeah. have any opinion scale as white men but we get we're getting into a situation where we're creating the thing that we're all afraid of right which is the fatherless upset youth of yeah. like male youth well and i think i think you've hit the nail right on the head and i think that what's interesting is that um you know so when these things happen nobody's addressing the fatherlessness of the person they're all talking about gun laws right um, they're not talking about the root cause here. And again, they're they're in this echo chamber where men are the problem, where where all this kind of stuff. And what what's interesting is that you uh, you end up in a place where what people are angry at is essentially is essentially kind of the biblical view of God, right? Not that God's white. But that God is the father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. And so the anger and the outlash at fathers, particularly absent fathers, is what's really happening here on a, on a, on a subconscious level is people's anger and frustration at God being manifest at earthly fathers, whether they had them or not. And so you have this, the, the maleness of God is what's being um, uh, uh, protested here. It, that's what's being uh, rebelled against. And um, I think but the more woke, and, and the truth is, you know, I don't even want to get here because it's opening up a can of worms at the end of an episode here, but you look at like the, the Founders Ministry trailer that came out recently um, shooting a bullseye, I think, at the SBC and some of the uh, wokeness that's, that's infiltrated some of who we would say are very good pastors um, who have been um, s- slowly influenced by a, a woke culture who are allowing some of uh, the world's views of social justice to creep in. They're looking at this as an opportunity. Hey, the Bible says something about racism. The Bible says something about this. And they're allowing the Trojan horse of social justice as secular culture defines it into the church. But what's really being smuggled in is this this rebellion against the plain teaching of the word of God. It, it's, it's a rebellion against the, the father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. And so you can't you, you you can't look at what's in the culture that's worth redeeming. You have to look at um, all of this stuff, right? Is enemies that need to be put underneath the foot of Jesus in victory. And so um, we we don't stomp out um, toxic masculinity by um, toxic femininity. We stamp out toxic masculinity by biblical 
masculinity, right? And, and so I think this, this is just a call once again for us to educate our kids, educate them with the word of God and keep them out of the, uh, keep them out of the engine that's turning so many young people into, um, angry, fatherless, woke hippies with no job who live in their parents' basement, but that's, that's a generalization. But, um, but I think that's, that's, um, what's happening. And I think as, as Christians, we need to be aware of the non-neutrality of, we've talked uh, about companies, about organizations, about education boards, about sports. Um, there's no neutrality in any of those things. So as Christians, your kids need to grow up with a firm understanding of the word of God because there's no neutrality. And wherever they go, they're going to find darkness. And the only thing to combat that darkness is uh, is the light of the word of God. Amen. All right. It's great to be back. Chris, good to be back. Oh yeah, great, great, sorry. Great, great, great to be back. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, and, sorry. I'm, I'm literally like upset right now. Okay, well, Chris needs to calm down and uh, hopefully you can do that in the next six days. We'll see you next week.